ask you guys just to turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to get there in just a few minutes. Um, um, praise God. Thank you, Sean, for ministering last week. We bless you. We thank you for that. Um, we listened to the message. And, and you know, God, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And, and the things that God has done in the past, He's going to do. So we got to get, I think we've got to get positioned and ready for God to do something. You know, it's like, okay, I've, I've got to get my expectors out. I've got to get my expectation up. I've got to get, you know, I've got, I've got to do my part in order to, uh, to be ready for the word of God. Um, we've decided, uh, that we're really going to talk about the kingdom and kingdom foundation. And two weeks ago, um, I, I, I wanted to give you some, some of the points of the characteristics of the kingdom, what the kingdom looks like. How many of you know if Jesus taught it, it's important? If Jesus was the one that taught about the kingdom, then don't you think we ought to talk, teach about the kingdom? Jesus didn't teach about himself. He didn't say, look at me, do healings and, and deliverances and set people free by me. He said he never, he never did that. He never pointed to himself. But he said, when you step into and you enter into the kingdom of God, then these things are accessible to you. They're available to you. So once you see it, I know, I know you can't unsee it. So I'm going to just kind of lay down a foundation real quick, and then we're going to get to Matthew chapter 5. But we're going to start out with, um, with our favorite foundational verses, and that's Genesis 2, 26 and 27. Just kind of read along with me under your breath if you want to, or aloud if you want to. Verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now who's our? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit was there at the beginning and um, was hovering over over the earth at that time. And he said, he said, let them have let them, excuse me, have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. Verse 28. And God blessed them. And God blessed them. And God blessed them. Come on. And God blessed them. And I believe God wants to bless you. You know, and sometimes it's the only time, sometimes in Helica when you sneeze, that's you, that you can say, well, God bless you. You know, and sometimes it's the only time you can even get God in somebody's life, you know, because that God blessed them. So God and the Father, the Son, He created man in His own image, and He created female, and He created them, and He blessed them, and He said to them this, He said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So we can see at the very beginning that God gave us dominion. He wanted us to have dominion. Everybody say dominion. So we, want, we, we looked at what that word dominion said or meant. It literally is the, the uh, Hebrew word radah. And it, and it means to, to bring under control. It means subjugate, which means to bring under control. So when, when you bring that under control, you govern that. You actually rule and you reign. So we can see, well, that was just for Adam and Eve. Was that just for Adam and Eve or was that for us? Because at that time, it was for Adam and Eve and all of their offspring that were coming, right? But it was, it's also for us now. So he said to be able to have dominion. And we know that word dominion is to reign or to rule. 
The other scripture and, and the other word in verse 28 was he said to subdue it. Subdue it. And that, that, it, that word there actually means to conquer. To subdue something. You conquer that. Come on. That we are more than conquerors, the Bible tells us, that we are, we are to subdue that. So God created us to have dominion. Do y'all, y'all agree with that? Am I in a church that agrees that with that? We, God created us to have dominion. I'm to rule over those things. And I could go in and start talking about how we allow the earth, the earth things to rule over us. Okay, you know, we, you know, tobacco. I remember at one time I, I used to smoke cigarettes and, and I realized that that tobacco ruled over me. Do I have any ex-smokers in the house? You know what I mean? You know that those habits that we have, that, that addiction that we get towards those things, guys, that's just a plant. It's a plant that rules over us. That thing would tell me when I got up in the morning, I need to have a cigarette. Are you with me? When I got something to eat, guess what happened? I needed to have a cigarette. And some of you may be dealing with those issues now. Hopefully, as we walk through this, you're going to be able to see that you need to have dominion and how you can take dominion over those things and begin to walk out of. Amen? I'm not condemning anybody today if you deal with that. But I look at some of the different things that we have, I have had to have victory over, and I really didn't realize I could get victory over it. So when we look at that, he says, this is what I want you to be able to have dominion over. So God created us to have dominion in the very beginning, and that hasn't changed. Has it changed? It hasn't changed. So we're to have dominion now, and it's, it's time for us to be able to realize, let's step into that, and let's begin to start ruling and reigning the way God wants us to. So in the beginning, he talked about the kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. That is kingdom. 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 It's king's domain. When you look at the word kings, it's koinig, and it means to rule or to, to, to rule over. It's kind of like you, 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 you have integrity and you're able to rule over something that's in your life. So it, it, it's, it's kingdom, domain. That word literally means to have rulership or terrain. So he has kingdom. And we know what domain means. We know to be able to have dominion over it, we need to govern that thing. We've got to, over, we've got to rule over that thing. So it means rulership and terrain. And it's the internal kingship of God. So for this study, we want to be able to just call this, when we talk about kingdom, can I simply say it's God's way of doing things? When we talk about the kingdom of God, it's God's way of doing things. How many of you know his way is better than our way? He, uh, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. The Bible says his ways are, are higher than our ways. So I want to be able to look at this kingdom thing and how to, and how to understand it. Now, last uh, two weeks ago, I gave you seven characteristics. And I'm real quick, I'm going to go over those real quick. Seven characteristics from every kingdom. Every kingdom that is a kingdom has these characteristics. First of all, I want to tell you, the devil is not a king of a kingdom. Come on. There is King Jesus, amen? And he's the king over our kingdom. So first of all, every kingdom has a king. Every kingdom has a king. And we see in our kingdom that we operate in, it's King Jesus. He has a king. So when we look at that, every kingdom has a king. The second thing is that every kingdom has a territory. 
What is the territory? What is your territory? What are you ruling over? I don't think there's too many of us right here that are ruling over Alaska. Are you with me? That's not your territory. That, that this is our territory, your home, your area of influence, the place that you work at, the place that you live, some of your own land and, and houses, and that's your territory. When we look at that, that's a territory, and it's the earth. Psalms 115, 16, I love this scripture. It says, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. He's giving us the earth to rule and reign over the earth, and it's our responsibility. But if you don't have a territory, then you don't have a kingdom. Amen? Number three is the kingdom needs citizens. Everybody say citizens. We're citizens in the kingdom. We're not subjects. We're just citizens in the kingdom. We're citizens in the kingdom. And being citizens of the kingdom, I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And number four, it says the kingdom has a constitution. We have a constitution for the United States, don't we? There is a kingdom constitution, and it's the Bible. It's the word of God. It's the living word. It's the word that can shape and help change and mold your life. That's the constitution. It's the book of your rights. It's the book of your privileges. It's the book of your authority. It's the book that when we operate and live by it, we're going to be able to have the results of those things from that constitution. So that's number four. Every kingdom must have a constitution. Number five, every kingdom has laws. And that's the word of God. The word of God is, is, is the principles and the precepts in which we operate by. So that's the word, his word. When God speaks it, it happens, right? It goes into existence. The angels are to bring forth in our kingdom what the word of God that we speak out of our mouth. The angels are to bring that forth and make that happen. They make, they make that happen. Number five is the kingdom has laws. Number six, every kingdom has a government. As a government, there's governments in the kingdom. And ours is, is the kingdom, the rulership, the government. And it's by obedience. We operate by obedience. And number seven, real quick, is every kingdom has privileges. There are, king, there are privileges in every kingdom. Doesn't the United States have privileges? As a citizen of the United States, you have privileges. You have rights. There's benefits to live here. There's been, you know, I get to drive on a, a, a road that's, you know, sometimes got asphalt on it or concrete on it or there's street lights and stop signs and everything else. And some of those, we don't realize, we just think, well, well we just deserve that stuff. Well, that's where our taxes go, and those are rights and privileges that we have by living in, in the United States and living here. So when, what we've done is we've missed a lot of things. And a lot of things we've missed it because we didn't read the Constitution. We didn't look at the Word of God. So I think we've went, as we get into this, I want us to begin to look at it. One of the things that I talked about that I told you we were going to look at was... You've re and I've encouraged you guys to read, and I've got an assignment for you tonight. I've got a challenge for you tonight, but to read the kingdom. And have you noticed where it said the kingdom of heaven in Matthew? And then when you look in Luke and John um, and Mark, it says the kingdom of God. Has anybody ever noticed that? Well, you're going to see that, and you're going to look at that. 
And, and I want us to realize why that takes place. And um, Dr. Jerry King, I was, I was reading his book the other day, and I realized he really did a great job of, of looking at whether, why we say the kingdom of God or why we say the kingdom of heaven. So let me just share with you real quick. He says there's some confusion about the kingdom message results from the different ways that which is referred to in the Gospels. Matthew usually speaks of the kingdom of heaven, and the three other Gospels speak of the kingdom of God. Even when recording the same instances, this has occasioned elaborate attempts to differentiate between this, that some believe that there is a distinct difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, that there's different kingdoms. The answer to this mystery is quite simple. He said, it is to be found in an understanding of the current Jewish belief and their sincere attempt to live by the letter of the spirit of the law and the law of Moses in one of the Ten Commandments of God says this in Exodus 27, verse 20, or chapter 20, verse 7. It says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses the name of God. Therefore, rather than to risk offending God, a good Jew would actually, if he wished, speak God's word, he would say the word heaven. Instead of saying the word God, he would say the word heaven. So the realm of God's dwelling place, and that was close as he would come to even risking what he would think that would be putting God's name in vain. Okay, and that's that's how the Jewish tradition is. And that's how basically they're trained. And, and Matthew was trained that way. So he would not dream of speaking the name of God. Dr. King goes on and says, Matthew's targeted audience, when he wrote his record of the good news of the nation of Israel, he wished to speak to them convincingly about the identity of Jesus. It would have been foolish for him or needless for him to offend them. Okay? We talk about dealing with offense now. He was dealing with offense back then also. The targeted audience for the other Gospels was different. Therefore, they did not take this precaution. Therefore, we conclude that the records of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, as they are used in the Gospels, is one and of the same. There is no difference. And he goes on and he gives an example that's seen comparing Matthew and Mark's recording of the same event. And he gives the example of Matthew chapter 4, verse 14. Matthew 4, or excuse me, 17. Matthew 4, 17. And here's what it says. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And he goes on to cite Mark's account, which differs slightly but is in the same essence of Matthew's account. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, here's how Mark says it. It says, the time has come. He said that the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. He said this pattern continues throughout the Gospels. So when we are studying, when you're into Matthew and you read about the kingdom of God, he's going to say the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is. The kingdom of heaven is. The kingdom of heaven is. And then you get into Mark and John and Luke. And it says the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. 
the kingdom of God. Don't get hung up on it because we, we, we had a debate, um, a discussion years ago about this of why he said it this way and why it was said the other. And I was glad that Dr. King years ago helped me understand that to say, don't get caught up on that. It's the same thing when he's talking about it. It's God's way of doing things. It's God's way of doing things. So I want you to let's look at Matthew chapter 5. And I want us to just start reading through some of the Constitution. <laughs> Can we read the Word of God tonight? God's, God's kingdom. We wanna, I want to read about that. It's Matthew chapter 5. I am going to give you, at the very end, a challenge for you guys this week to read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Some of you have already taken the challenge. I already talked to somebody. They said, I, I read 5, 6, and 7. You said to read it. I read it. And, and I want us to be able to talk about it here pretty soon. But I want you to, let's look at Matthew chapter 5. And I want us to look at, through kingdom eyes, but I want to look at um, verses 1 through 20. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. If I can get to Matthew 5, 1. And I've got, I'm going to do the New American Standard Version. Matthew chapter 5, let's read verses 1 through 20. When Jesus saw the crowds, I'm reading out of the New American Standard, by the way. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? Look at me real quick. Matthew chapter 5 is after chapter 4. And in chapter... Right? And in chapter 4, Jesus had a battle with Satan. And he was in the wilderness, led by the Holy Spirit. And I'm trying to put this in context, that when he comes out to teach them, he's just spent 40 days in the wilderness being led by the Spirit and had a battle with the enemy. And he, how many of you know he won the victory? Amen. And then he came out of that wilderness to be able to teach the disciples. And that's what he's talking about now. So when he opened his mouth, he began to teach them, saying, Blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, so they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Verse 10. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There it is again. Blessed are you when you when people insult you, persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad in your reward in heaven is great. For the same way they persecute the prophets who were before you. And he goes on and he talks about the disciples in the world. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt becomes tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled underfoot by men. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does the light of a lamp, and you put it under a basket. But on the lampstand, it gives light 
to all those who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Verse 17, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets, but I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter of the stroke shall pass away from the law until it is all accomplished. Verse 19, whoever annuls one of these least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. There it is again. And whoever keeps and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20, for I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And I want to pause right there a moment. Verse 20, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So by reading this, the kingdom of heaven is something we enter. Are you with me? I don't wave a magic wand over your head and you get it. We enter into the kingdom. We enter into the kingdom. Okay? So he talks about the righteousness. And real quick, I want to just touch base about the righteousness. Can anybody tell me what the righteousness of the Pharisees and Sadducees were? The law. That's very good. Absolutely. The law. Their righteousness was based on how good you were, Annette. Their righteousness, your righteousness, was based on how well you kept the law. And if you broke the law, then what? Then the priest had to go into the Holy of Holies. Once a year, he would atone for the sin. And there was the goat that they would lay hands on and send the goat out with whatever sins that you would have. There was a righteousness that was only achieved by what you did. It was based on only by what you did. It was based on how good you were or how you kept the Ten Commandments. Are you with me? It was based on that. What about the righteousness that Jesus came with? What is that? It's what? A heart. That's good. What else? The sacrifice. Jesus was the sacrifice once and for all. What, what is his righteousness? Grace, love, it's the righteousness before the righteousness of the Sadducees and the Pharisees was actually something that you had to, you had to work for. Now you receive righteousness by God's grace. We receive righteousness. Righteousness is in right relationship. Righteousness, justification, it's the same, it's the same word. It means to, to render just. It means to pardon. It means to, to show innocent. It means not guilty. Not guilty. And when we look at that righteousness versus the righteousness of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, there is a contrast. So you have to understand when Jesus came, 
Oh, there's a whole back thing with, with John the Baptist. You know how mean John the Baptist was? Y'all probably didn't think he was mean. But when he came out of the wilderness, John the Baptist came out of his wilderness, and he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It, he was up against the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Because the issue of repentance was not something that they did. Because they were under the law, but they were the leaders of the law. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were actually the ones that he was coming after. So when he was talking about, they took offense on that. I'll teach on that some other time so you guys can have an understanding. They took offense on that. It was the same offense that they took when, when John the Baptist said, What about Herod? Herod took his brother's wife, and that's wrong. It was that same thing that when he was coming out and he was talking about repenting for the kingdom of God is at hand that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were like, what? Because their whole all idea, their whole way of life was getting ready to shift to where they wouldn't have control, but God would have control. Come on. To where the gospel was available, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. Oh, come on, somebody. And for people and for women. Can I get an amen? I mean, it was available for others. There was something that was happening that, that, that sometime I'll, I will go into that backstory of what John the Baptist was all about when he came out saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we see Jesus comes out and he comes out with a similar attitude. And he's taking the Pharisees. Are you with this? With me? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he's talking about the disciples that he's got there or, or the, the multitude of people that he's sitting there talking to on the Beatitudes. And he starts to talk about unless your righteousness exceeds that of these guys. Are you with me? Of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, there was a total different righteousness. And they were kind of like, those that knew the law, the Jewish people, were like, what? That's blasphemy. That's, that's, that, that can't be right. And those that didn't know, the Gentiles were like, well, I don't know what that righteousness is. What's your righteousness, Jesus? And that's what he was teaching about. He was teaching about that righteousness. So when we look on that, see, under the law, you earn it. Under Christ, you receive it. Oh, come on. See the difference? Under the law of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, you, you earned your righteousness. But when you look at Christ and what he did, it was the grace of God. And you don't earn it. You receive it. And you receive it how? By faith. Everybody say by faith. And man, I could go into Romans 3, 21 and, and 26 let me do that. Let's just have a few more minutes. Romans chapter 3. If you guys can just give me three more minutes. Three more minutes. Hold me, hold me accountable here, honey. 3.21, verse 21. And I don't know if I put it up there or not, but it's Romans 3.21. It says, Now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnesses by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God that is through faith in Christ Jesus for all those who what? Believe. Everybody say believe. So now there's a righteousness that was different than the law. And Jesus is saying, that, and, and according Paul here, is saying, guess what? You believe in Jesus, there is a righteousness that, that is outside of the law. 
There is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified as a gift by his grace through redemption, which is Christ in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because of the forbearance of God had passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That's verse 26. You can read that a little bit later. But I want you to understand that there, we, we've got to be more conscious of the righteousness of God than sin consciousness. We've got to be more conscious that I am in right relationship with God and because I can walk in right relationship with God than I am about the sin that I might mess up and do. Hello? If you... It's kind of like... the. I don't know if it's a scripture. Sometimes the... When you think about something and the thing that you think about, the very thing could come upon you. The, the fear could come upon you. Are you with me? It, we've got to be at that point where we are thinking about the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Faith of Jesus Christ. The faith of Jesus Christ. That righteousness that comes through Christ is the righteousness that we need to walk in. It's that righteousness that it's about the kingdom. And he was talking about that when he said, when he basically said, you, if you don't surpass this righteousness, if you don't get out of the law, let me put it to you in modern day vernacular. If you live by the law, and I'm all for the principles in the word of God, but if you live by those commandments and you rule your life by the Ten Commandments, then you will be held guilty by those Ten Commandments. Okay? He went from ten to two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And love your neighbor. Somebody say love. Those two commandments were love. Love the Lord God, love your neighbor. There's a song out. What is it? Love God and love others. Love God, love others. It's pretty simple. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. I know people who operate in the law, and guess what? They're going to be judged by that law. When you operate in grace, you're going to be judged by that grace. Hello? The grace doesn't give you the right to sin. Are you with me? The grace is higher than the law because when you concentrate on the law and I can't break this and I can't do this and I can't do this and I can't do this, you do it. Don't you? I don't know about you when I keep saying I can't have that chocolate cake, I can't have that chocolate cake. At midnight, I'm getting that chocolate cake. Right? But if I operate in the righteousness of God and say, hey, look, that's too many calories for me and I don't think about that chocolate cake no more, I don't get up at midnight and go after the chocolate cake. Oh, come on, somebody. But that's what Jesus was after. There was a shifting coming. There was a shifting coming and shifting that was coming, and that was the kingdom. Stand here. Let me just pray for you because I want us to be more conscious of the righteousness of God tonight. I want you to be more aware of what Jesus has done for you than what the enemy is trying to do to you. Oh, come on. That's a good one. I want you to be more aware of what Jesus has done for you than what the enemy is trying to do for you. So let me just pray for you. Father, tonight, I thank you. I thank you that we are royal children. I thank you that as we operate in the righteousness of God, your grace 
and the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we supersede, we pass that the righteousness of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and we can begin to operate and enter into the kingdom of God. That's our goal. Our goal is to be able to enter into the kingdom of God and walk into the kingdom and operate in the kingdom and have and, and operate in the characteristics of the kingdom and have what the kingdom has for us. I pray that we're able to do that. And Father, I thank you for this, that you bless us tonight. Take this word and let us meditate on it the rest of this evening. And even while we dream, even when we get up in the morning, that we think more about your righteousness and we enter into that kingdom of God that you have for us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Here's your assignment. Make sure you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we'll see you Sunday morning. God bless you. Have a great evening tonight.